Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 21. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We live in a nation that is full of signs, Some are helpful, some are not so helpful, some are confusing. Here are some actual signs seen around our great country. From a small town in California, the sign says, Fishing for children only, limit three. From Maui, Hawaii, bottomless pit, 65 feet deep. You'll get that on the way home. From Austin, Texas, a sign on the balcony reads, please be aware that the balcony is not on ground level. Okay. In Mitchell, South Dakota, is a sign that reads, safe haven small animal hospital, hunters welcome. In Racine, Wisconsin, a sign reads, happy Easter, we rent handguns. In Los Angeles, a sign reads, Caution, blind drivers backing out. Okay. Also from Los Angeles, antique tables made daily. (laughs) Signs are made to be heated, and sometimes signs can be confusing. When God saints, listen to me, When God gets ready to do something on earth, he always forewarns us by giving us a sign. God God warned the world before he sent the flood, remember, through Noah. He sent Moses before he sent the ten plagues on Egypt. The first coming of Jesus was preceded with a sign. And I would say the second coming of Jesus is right around the corner, and the signs are all around us. Got a pen? Got a pad? I've titled this sermon, Ready for His Return, Part 2. Luke chapter 21, saints, we pick up our study in verse 25. Luke chapter 21, in verse 25, if you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. Verse 25. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, and on the earth. Distress of nations, underline that. With perplexity, underline that, the sea and the waves roaring and men's hearts in verse 26 failing them for fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heaven will be shaken and then they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things circle this begin, are you looking at it? When these things what begin to happen, do what? Look up 
and do what? Lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention just by show of hands. Were you with me last week? Were you with me? Okay, that's a good number of you. And last week, then you know, I told you that verse 12 through 24 begins a parenthesis in chapter 21, talking about the trouble that will come upon Jerusalem prior to Titus' invasion on the city in AD 70. So if you just go back and peek at verse 11, if you will, in 21, it says there will be earthquakes in various places, famine, pestilence, fierce, fearful sights, and great signs in the heaven. Then you have that parenthesis in 12 through 24, and it brings us back to verse 25, which it picks up after verse 11. There will be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. So Jesus is talking about the second coming. Now listen, give me your attention. Do not confuse the second coming with the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church could happen at any moment. The rapture of the church could happen before I finish this sermon. Okay, that's not amenable. That happened every service. As if I'm going to be preaching so long, we could get raptured before I'm done. I just got started. Before, before the second coming comes the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church is for believers. It's for the church. The Bible says he will come in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, just like that. You'll be somewhere doing something, driving your car, riding a bus, riding an airplane. If you're in riding an airplane, you'd be closer to heaven, so it won't be a far trip. But, <laughs> sorry. And, uh... But, but anywhere you are, when Jesus comes for the church, the rapture of the church, that will happen at any time. After the rapture of the church, then we have the seven-year tribulation, seven years of trouble on the earth, and then the second coming of Christ. Now, did you know that there are 318 references to the second coming of Jesus in the New Testament? 260 chapters in the New Testament talk about the second coming. That's one out of every 30 verses from Genesis to Revelation. The sign of the second coming will be cataclysmic cosmic events in the sun, the moon, the stars, distress of nations with perplexity. Now, I believe when Jesus is talking about distress of nations, he's talking about social, economic, and moral distress. Currently, we see distress of nations in the world. Every nation, think about this, every nation in the world is in distress. There is war and military unrest in every place on the globe. Distress of nations. Problems with crime and drugs and violence and sexual immorality. Surely everybody knows the United States is in distress. Uh, Somebody say better amen than that. Economic distress is beyond comprehension as our government refuses to manage its spending. According to the National Debt Clock, and I just looked this up yesterday, according to the National Debt Clock, the U.S., did you know this? It's $14 trillion in debt. The estimated population of the U.S. is 310 million people, which means every person in this room, share of that debt is $45,449.63. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have 45 grand at the house or in the bank. Now, if you got 45 grand, give it to me. And then I won't preach about it in my sermon. I'll I'll take it right out. 
But every person in this room, portion of that debt is $45,000. Economic distress, social distress. We're losing the war on drugs, my people. We are losing the war on drugs and losing the fight against crime. Did you know 7,000 high school students drop out of school every day? That's every 26 seconds. One child runs away from home every 26 seconds. One child is abused or neglected every 47 seconds. A teenager has a baby every 67 seconds. A minor is arrested on drug charges every seven minutes. One child is hurt or killed by a gun every 36 minutes. Economic, social, and moral distress. On any given day in America, 8,400 teens become sexually active. That's 1,115 teens have abortions every day. Did you hear me? 1,115 teens have an abortion every day. 3,000 teens get pregnant. 480 teens get a sexually transmitted disease. This year, 1.3 million teenage girls will become pregnant. 40% of them will end in abortion. 60% of those same girls will become pregnant again in two years. Economic distress, social distress, moral distress, and even though we're the strongest nation in the world, we can't solve these problems. And according to the Bible, listen, things are going to get worse. Jesus says before he comes, there will be distress of nations with perplexity. Now, if you're taking notes, you write this down. The word perplexity means unable to squeeze through. No way out. National problems without solution or nations will find themselves in a gridlock and complications in the political world. And what's really interesting, and you know this, no matter what happens in the entire world, everyone's attention always comes back to Israel, Jerusalem, and the Temple Mount. We just came from Israel, I don't know, three weeks ago. And, and, And all the world's attention comes back to Israel, Jerusalem, and the Temple Mount. And it's very interesting because Israel, there's no natural resources in Israel. No gold, no silver, no oil, no diamonds. At the same time, Israel is a diamond-cutting capital of the world, and yet no diamonds are there and no diamond mines. We're talking about dirt. And the Temple Mount is a rocky mound of dirt, And everybody wants the dirt. Isn't that interesting? For the Muslims, the holy day is Friday. Saturday is a Jewish holy day. Sunday is a Christian holy day. And everybody wants the hill. And there's nothing on the hill but conviction in men's hearts. And no matter how hard you try, you cannot negotiate conviction. Did you hear me? No matter how hard you try, you cannot negotiate conviction. You can negotiate nuclear arms. You can negotiate uh, weapons of warfare. You can't negotiate Jesus Christ. No, somebody didn't hear me. You cannot negotiate Jesus Christ. I'm going to wait. You cannot negotiate Allah. You cannot negotiate Yahweh. It will never happen. The Temple Mount is very perplexing. And the UN, my friend in Israel, he's a tour guide, he calls it the United Nothing. He says that there's nothing. They can't help. 
They can't negotiate. It's perplexing. Look at verse 25 in your Bibles. And because of all this perplexity in the world, the sea will be affected. During the tribulation, that seven-year period, the sea and the waves will be roaring. It could be that because of a meteor might strike the earth. They say if a meteor struck the Atlantic Ocean, there will be tidal waves hundreds of feet high and that they would travel around the world. Signs in the sun could speak of intense heat. Revelation chapter 13, you might want to write that down, tells us the false prophet in the Antichrist will call down fire from heaven. Revelation chapter 11 tells us that two prophets are outside of Jerusalem and fire comes out of their mouth, no rain. And Revelation chapter 16 tells us that there will be 90-pound hailstones during the tribulation, 90-pound hailstones falling from the sky. Now, there are people, listen, who have no life, people who argue as whether this 90 pounds is the Greek measurement or the Hebrew measurement. One is 110 pounds, the other is 90 pounds. Listen, it doesn't matter. If one of them, it doesn't matter. If one of them falls on you, guess what? You're dead. I didn't say you're dead. I said you're dead. You're going to die. But people like to argue for no reason. The Bible tells us that men's hearts will be failing them for fear. It's the only time in the Bible, get this, that this phrase is used in the entire Bible. That men's hearts will be failing them for fear. Failing means to stop breathing. In other words, during the tribulation, men will be dropping dead. Their hearts will stop because of the things that are coming upon this earth. In verse 26, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Now notice in verse, uh, in Matthew, you write this down. In Matthew 24, talking about the second coming, Jesus tells us that he's there on the Mount of Olives and the disciples came to him privately and they asked him to tell them what the sign of his coming would be. And in Matthew 24, 4 through 8, Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of war. And you'll see that, see that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the, what saints? Beginnings of sorrow. The deception of the false messiahs during the, before the second coming of Jesus Deceptions of false messiahs. Jesus said, keep your eyes open and don't let anybody deceive you because there will be many make-believe wackos. I call them Emmanuel imposters, counterfeit Christ who will come saying that they are the Christ. And there'll be devastation of war. In other words, there will be a continual turmoil among the nations, continual news about war and rumors of war. You know, there was a guy by the name of William Durant, and he was a writer and a philosopher, and he wrote that in the last 3,421 years of recorded history, only 268 years have seen no war. Of 3,000 plus years in the world's history, only 268 years have seen no war on the planet. The destruction of natural disasters, Jesus talks about, wars and famines go together. We see famine around the world. Did you know? that half the children in the world go to bed hungry. 10,000 people die today of starvation. 
While we sit down at dinner, 400 people will starve to death. In the U.S., we throw enough food away to feed a family of six in India. Pestilence. We have the AIDS epidemic. Earthquakes. According to the United States Geological Survey, earthquakes are increasing. Revelation chapter 6, verse 12 through 17 says, I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell on the earth. And then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, and every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. Isn't that a paradox? Have you ever seen a wrathful lamb? You ever seen a, you ever seen a sign posted, beware of lamb? I mean, think about it. It's kind of like, you know, Lambo. Sorry, that was my only one today. That's it. It's it. It's it. It's it. It's it. Calm down. But the wrath of the Lamb for the great day of his wrath. We're talking about Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? These are the beginnings of sorrows. We haven't gotten into the tribulation yet. All of these things will culminate during the tribulation. The word sorrow can be translated birth pangs. Ladies, you know what that is, don't you? Birth pangs. One lady said, mm-hmm, that must have been a toughie for you, huh? <laughs> Was it bad, sweetie? You all right? <laughs> she said, mm-hmm. Birth pains, you know what they're all about. I mean, you know how they are. I think birth pains, I was telling them second service, birth pains for guys, you know, like labor for ladies, birth pains for guys would be like, like, like appendicitis, like a bad appendicitis, like an infection in appendicitis. Is that right, ladies? Nope. That's what they said in the last service. They went, uh-uh, uh-uh, or, or, or kidney stones. More like kidney stones? Still no? What would it be like, ladies? Undescribable? It just hurts. This is preg- a pregnant mom sitting here going, it hurts. It just hurts. Well, that's a good description. It just hurts. But the, but the pain, you know these Braxton Hicks, they call them. The labor starts, and it starts with light pain, and then it gets a little stronger and a little stronger, a little more intense, and your timing and your breathing and the pains are getting closer, and then you're off to the hospital, and you're breathing and beating your husband, and when it's time to deliver, the baby is one big pain. And by the way, that doesn't change. They're always one big pain. They graduate, you give them luggage. The pain leaves, the pain comes back. Where my parents at? Where my people at? Where where my people at? Just one big pain. It's just over and over and over. And then someone, ladies, you know this, then after you had all this pain, I remember, (laughs) it ain't funny, but I shouldn't be, but my wife's not here, so y'all don't tell her I'm telling you this. But I remember when she had Ronnie Jr. 
my son, you know, the guy that fills up the cage right here. This is my son right here. And, uh, and so Rodney, she had Rodney Jr. And after she had that boy, I told you all this story. After she had that boy, because Rodney was 10 pounds, some odd ounces when he was born. 23 and a quarter inches long. I was in the, in the, in the ER or the delivery room. And, uh, and I remember, this is probably way too much information, but I, I, I remember him coming out, and he is so long. You see how tall he is right now. He's so, he just kept coming and coming. And <laughs> he did just like... <laughs> he was like a super long baby, and he was really, really big. And Elvira, that poor woman, I got to give it up for that sister. She, she did it with no meds too, y'all. You need to clap your hands like you mean it. She, she, did no, she did it with no meds. She was pushing. When she was done delivering Rodney Jr., she looked like she'd been in a fight. Her eyes were black. I matter of fact, when I seen her, I said, baby, I said, he is so cute. I said, you look bad. I said, you look like you've been in a fight. Her eyes about popping out of her head. She looked like she'd been in a fight. And then after you give birth to this baby, what happens? Somebody, like, hours later, the next day, now when are we going to have another one? And you'll get away from me. And then a couple of years later, we're going to have another one. Well, you know, we thinking about it. You know why? You, yeah, yeah, you, you forget. But, but here's the thing. But here's the thing. It's the joy that follows the pain. And the Bible tells us, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross or he endured the pain because he knew what it would bring. The joy of your salvation. The joy of my salvation. Are you with me? And so he endured. So Jesus is saying everything that he just mentioned are labor pains. The world is laboring right now, wanting to give birth to the kingdom. Now, according to Daniel, you write this down. According to Daniel chapter 9 and 12, the Antichrist is going to come on the scene. And he's going to bring peace to the Middle East. And the Jewish people will love him. And he will help them build their temple, and they will return to temple worship. But midpoint of the tribulation, the tribulation is seven years. Midpoint at the three and a half year mark, he will break his covenant with Israel, and he himself will go into the temple and desecrate and divide and violate the temple. And this is called in the Bible, the abomination of desolation. Or you can look at it like this, the abomination which causes desolation. And at this time, the Antichrist is going to proclaim himself to be God and force every man, woman, boy, and girl to worship the image and take the mark of the beast. The number is, anybody know? 666. And if you take the mark or the seal, uh, that mark, you will seal your fate. And if you don't take the mark, you won't be able to buy or sell or get a job. In other words, the Antichrist is going to usher in a cashless society. Now listen, I believe, look at me, give me your attention. I believe the world is being massaged and prepped for the mark that every individual is going to be forced to take or not take and receive death. I believe we're being prepped psychologically. What you talking about, Willis? I'm talking about like, Tattooing. And don't get me wrong. I don't think tattooing is evil in and of itself. But I do think 
Because I've seen some nice ones. I mean, I've seen, I have a friend just really got one. He just got one. I really, really, really like it. I think it's really nice. But, and, and I don't have any. Praise the Lord. And, uh, and ladies, don't y'all be getting one. I'm your pastor. I'm just trying to help you now. Don't be getting one in the wrong place. Hallelujah. Amen. But the world is being massaged. Ain't nothing wrong with it. But I think that, the, you know, the tattooing thing, well, you know, okay, so the, the Antichrist is going to say you need to take the mark. And, and if the world has been massaged into thinking and philosophy, into thinking that there's nothing wrong with taking a mark or some mark on your skin, okay, fine, give me the mark. Well, same thing with uh, plastic surgery and Botox. No big deal. You know, no big deal to alter the appearance. The world is being set up for a cashless society. I mean, think about that. The banking industry has been pushing hard for a cashless culture for years because writing a check is more, um, costs more than an electronic transfer. Small businesses w- will welcome a cashless culture because they lose multiply millions of dollars every year from employees who steal from the cash register. Uncle Sam and the IRS is pushing for a cashless culture because the government loses an estimated $1 trillion a year in taxes in what they call the underground economy, people using cash to avoid paying taxes. The law enforcement agencies are pushing for a cashless culture. Why? Because this will eliminate ATM robberies and store holdups. A cashless culture will render a death blow to the drug culture. Did you know that drug dealers don't take checks or credit cards? (laughs) If you knew that, wave at me. I just want to know where my people at. All right, some of y'all didn't know that. Did you ask them? Some of y'all are like, yeah, but, 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 but the cashless culture will deal a death blow. The only way to get rid of drug trade is to get rid of cash. Visa has more than 200 million credit cards and debit cards issued worldwide. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.